welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking to different people, both inside the hospitality industry and also the people supplying the hospitality industry and how COVID-19 has affected the actual industry itself. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. These conversations have been fantastic for me to record the last week. Uh, And I think you're going to get a lot out of it, no matter what part you have to play in the industry itself. Uh, Always remember as well, in the link of this bio, you can actually send me a message, a recorded message in question that I can use in the podcast further on. So always make sure you have a look at that if you've got any questions about the podcast. But today, let's get into it. I'm talking with Steve Bibiano from Select Fresh Providors in Sydney and how the fruit and veg industry is pivoting and changing to meet the new demand. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Amazing to have you listening in. Uh, over the last week, I've just reached out to uh, a lot of different people I know with inside and supplying to the industry to have a chat, to, to have a, come on the show and have a chat to us about how it's affecting their business at the moment with COVID-19. Uh, fantastic to have a conversation now with Stephen Biviano, the group GM from Select Fresh Providors all the way in Sydney. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Uh, really, really well. Now, um, the fruit and veg industry at the moment, uh, like many suppliers into the hospitality industry, has been a massive challenge. And I know you guys um, are amazing and one of the best fruit and veg suppliers in Australia. So that's right. Really, why I wanted to have you on, Stephen. Um, Thank you. Do you want to do you want to talk about how you started your career within the fruit and veg um, industry? Yeah. So. Um... I suppose my beginnings with fruit and veg probably started in my family business or businesses that we had. So my uh, my grandfather and my father ran a function centre in Sydney for approximately 58 years. Wow. Um, Mediterranean house. So probably one of the first uh, Italian-based uh, function centres in Australia apparently at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was my early beginnings of learning about food and um, – and, uh, you know, the aspects of buying and selling and so on. and But unfortunately, that wasn't a path that I didn't want to lead into initially in my career. I actually um, worked there as a waiter and kitchen mm-hmm. hand in various aspects of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually finished school, went to, went to TAFE at the time and um, studied business management and, um, and banking. And actually, actually ended up as a banker from – I had two stints actually um, – mm. From 01 to 07, I was a banker at Westpac. I worked in the mail room all the way up to premium banking right. at the time. So managing high net worth individuals and understanding how to, you know, which is supposed to benefit to me now. I know how to drop mortgages and how security is done and, you know, what the lending ratios are, everything, all that stuff. I have uh, um, knowledge for life now. Mm. Um Sort of got burnt out in 07 when I was in the premium banking space. I thought, you know, I'm going to take a step back. And um, at the time, I helped my father-in-law out with a um, – we used to do Italian antipasto, then he was doing in pizza bases. So <laughs> at the time, we um, we uh, made semi-dried tomatoes, grilled eggplants, stuffed olives, um, stuffed pepper bells with feta, chili, almonds, anything you could probably think of we were doing. Wow. And turned that into little little – 
little business that was admittedly making a loss into a decent, healthy profit, mm-hmm. um, supplying the likes in Sydney to Harris Farm, Canberra in Superbarn, and then we had some distributors that distributed into the PFD network. Um, wow. Um, yeah, all those types of guys. I think Chippies was one of them at the time as well. So that was um, purely a wholesale product, or was that a wholesale? Was that a... Yeah, all, all wholesale, and we sold into the, yeah, the supermarkets, the IGAs, and, and distributors. Yeah, nice. Wow. Um, so you did that for about five years. Um, unfortunately, um, my the reason that I got out of that was my brother-in-law um, fell ill to a brain disease. Oh, wow. Um, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And, um, you know, which is an interesting story, but, you know, that happened. We managed to sell the business to one of our distributors, which is great. My father-in-law, what I hoped, was able to set up his retirement so he could slow down, which we were able to achieve, which is a good result. Yep. Um, I went back into banking as a uh, bank manager slash then branch manager of Westpac and then NAB, mm-hmm. which is about 18 months. Unfortunately, then in that period, then my father-in-law passed away of the same disease. Oh, wow. Um, and I say my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, but they actually were not – that wasn't his son. That was his son-in-law. Oh, so wow. It's, it's How pretty, weird. Yeah, yeah, they had the same, same disease. And um, Nick, unfortunately, suffered longer than my father-in-law when my father-in-law only lasted approximately, um, I think it was six weeks to the day. And oh, we had wow. – look, we know, yeah, we know Dr. Charlie Teo from this these whole experience, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and that then, yeah, so that led me back to banking. And where I am now is um, Dominic Barber, who's the owner of Select Fresh. Um, he's uh, he's a let's say a distant cousin of mine through his wife, who's my mm-hmm. second cousin. Mm-hmm. And um, Dominic approached me because he knew what I did at my previous business, and he goes, "Look, I've got a little, I've got a business that." He called small at the time, which I laughed the first day I turned up. He goes, "Need you to help me in my business?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries, Don. And, you know, Don's a good character, and he's got a big heart, and mm. we'll give you we'll give one hundred and twenty percent, and whatever else he can give you to help him." And I said to him, "Look, let me. You know, I wanted to proceed. I wanted to go through this banking career. I really wanted to get to a certain point in my banking career, but I sort of said, you know what? This this opportunity is not gonna. This I don't think this opportunity is gonna come again. Mm. So leap of faith and jump into Select Fresh and." Oh my God, what an experience it was. So, from a small business, he told me it, it wasn't a small. Um, so, we were supplying at the time, Gate Gourmet was one of our major clients. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Gate Gourmet, uh, we were doing sticks catering, which had Qantas at the time. Yeah. And we were doing various pubs and clubs and, and so on and so on and hotels. So, very, very infant. When I started um, almost six years ago, this business to where it where it was up until a month ago, um, we would we our you know look the turnover, you know, is, we're doing up oh, just we were growing probably twenty three to twenty five percent a year in turnover. Wow, that's amazing. Which is amazing, and look what this business has given me is or what what it's given us is so from a a state based business mm. to being what I was told about six months ago that I was, or the Select Fresh was one of the largest root and veg suppliers to the cruise industry in the Southern Hemisphere at one time. Wow. So we've grown from that mum and dad business to the core hotel businesses to being a preferred supplier. Um, we've then been able to do the shipping 
nationally through our partner networks and our other businesses through mm-hmm. JPs. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to build on there, so on and so on. Um, learned a lot along the way. Um, learned how to not do business as well and not trust customers. Um, yep. we've, we've lost a lot of money. We've um, worked with brands that have gone bust on us. Yeah, um, in doing in goodwill, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's really gone from there. So it's been an amazing um, it's been an amazing experience. And again, the the reach that I have with people in the last six years that you know uh, that I can associate with now, um, obviously from a professional level and a and a personal level, mm. um, it's it's yes, you can say they're friends for life, but they're also their business associates that. You know, if they grow, we grow with them. And that's been the goal. Um, the challenge, I suppose, has been turning this company from a little family business into a proper um, corporate structure with that but with that family heritage behind it. Mm. Um, but again, it's 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 um, it's great. I mean, yeah, five trucks to over thirty trucks on the road in Sydney at any one time is is a phenomenal result. It's an, um, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an incredible result. I mean, it was it I think what you're talking about, Stephen, is, you know, what the the goal of any business as they start up and scale is to not uh, to not lose the reason why they started and to and to always have those, you know, the, maybe those family values, just maybe those founder led values of of loyalty and service and all those kind of things. Was it hard for you to come into the business and obviously, you know, under Dom's wing like Wanting, wanting it to improve and obviously get better systems and processes in place was that, was that hard for you to implement into what essentially was started as a family business? Yeah, yeah extremely difficult at the start. Um, Dom, to his credit, is a go getter and he, and he is purely sales driven. He's an mm. unbelievable um, salesperson. He pitches mm. well. He knows what the customer needs. And he sort of leaves me there to tidy it up with him. So, to my to my to my credit, I've probably learned a lot from him in improving my sales pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Not just because I can I can sort of flog, oh, I'm the GM. I've, I don't try to use that. I try to go in there with the right aspect of what I listen to what the customer wants, mm-hmm. and I try and use my banking knowledge of my needs based conversation to make sure I get the pitch before we win the business. But yeah, to answer your question, it was incredibly challenging. We had no HR system, we had or policies, mm-hmm. we had no inductions, we had no. Um, we just had people turning up. It almost felt like and just working, <laughs> um, and and even customers coming on, no credit apps, no no personal guarantee type situations signed, no nothing. Just yep, they're starting tomorrow. Done, done, done. Yeah. So yeah, that that. That has been the challenge itself, um, but again, you'd learn that, and then you bring that back to to basics. And we've been, and again, with the clientele that we've been able to put onto the business, um, again, again, putting that structure in place has been really, really beneficial. I mean, yeah, even uniforms, it. basic things like that, weren't even adhered to. Mm. It's it's right. always it's always hard to do those things coming in. I know I've tried to, you know, I've done that with a couple of different businesses that I've work with or for as well it's hard to hard, those simple things that we think are easy to change and the hr policies and inductions and orientations mm-hmm. and 
and wear this particular uniform. No, you can't wear that because of this reasons. Like those are really hard better things because people just get used to um, the way of business and any kind of change, no matter what change it is, it's such a tough one mm. to sort of to do, but I, I'm sure it's beneficial for you guys, you know, especially yeah, now in the situation we're in. Yeah, correct. Mm. So, look, you've talked about the high high end clients that you guys have. Obviously, we're talking about cruise ships. We're talking about hotels. And what you just said has been your most, um, some of your biggest clients. That, mm. That's been the area which has been decimated the last four weeks. Um, how are you guys coping with that at the moment? How have you seen the landscape change in fruit and vegetables? Yeah, so I suppose using the cruise ships, and unfortunately, we are one of the suppliers to uh, Ruby Princess, which has been obviously mm-hmm. getting a lot of media attention. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Carnival Carnival Corp. Unfortunately, um, you know, we we sort of prior to this disease sort of um, coming into effect, we were planning out our next six months. So a lot of conversation with growers. Um, a lot of conversation in our market spaces in the States saying, hey, can we do this? What's coming in? What should we bid for? What shouldn't we bid for? So a lot of a lot of homework down down the Gurgle, unfortunately, where mm. you know, you know, let's say in order um an order or in terms of the whole business, you know, we went we probably lost eighty five percent of our business. Wow. And that was way to a shipping order. So, you know, we're probably supplying a five thousand dollar ship order which you know, it could be up to any 100,000 at any one time, depending on what ship. God. Because um, you're just basically feeding the crew. Yes. Um, but people don't realise, you know, like, you know, and again, using Ruby Pinks as, as an example, there's about over 1,100 crew just on board that ship. Really? Yeah. yeah. So um, I think the the, the uh, capacity there is um, 4,000 packs. And I think Majestic Princess is um up to 4,800, which is, I think is, a memory is their largest cruise ship in their fl- whole fleet. Mm. Um, also, learning the um, the the, uh, the the between the brands of where demographically they sit, mm-hmm. um, like the clientele that they chase. Where P and O would be, uh, you know, the the they're not as probably affluent as the uh, princess, who are probably the pre-retirees, and and the Cunards, which is a Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, where they're the high end of where you know, we're very wealthy individuals or families yes. on those ships. So look to, yeah. So to go back to answer the question though, that, yeah, in the last, you know, four weeks, you know, apart from the cruise, the, um, you know, the, the, the landscapes change where we we were having pretty, we just got over the bushfires with, with the, the markets peaking. Yep. Then that became that flurry of air panic buying and agents, and farmers were basically taking what they could get from my perspective mm. of, um, because of the demand. Um, so our, our pricing was pushed up. Right? You know, our buy was from, you know, I don't know, $10 for a product and it went to $20 overnight. Wow. And it could have been anything. You know, even lettuces were, were affected, avocados, tomatoes, potatoes. Yes. Staple products just jumped dramatically because of that panic buying. Mm. Um, obviously now it's, we seem to have seen a bit of a, a comeback, but, um, what I've seen the biggest, obviously, you know, what, what's increased for us though, is those pre-packaged product meals mm-hmm. and where we've 
lost a lot. We haven't obviously brought it back, but some of those businesses are up 20 and 30% themselves. So that's sort of been a bit of a silver lining that um, obviously we haven't been decimated, but, you know, we have some business to fall back on. Um, and then then this home, uh, home delivery service where unfortunately it feels like everyone's doing it, but we've got to try something. So we really balked on that the first two weeks. Yes. And in the last week, we've got a, I think we've got, at the moment, we've only got two products or two mm-hmm. boxes that we're calling them, a family box and a staple box. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really pushed that out to the market in the last 72 hours and we're getting traction. And we're mm-hmm. leveraging our, or I'm leveraging my networks, like I mentioned before, people that I know of high, I won't say high net worth, um, they're visually connected or they know a lot of people. Yes. Leveraging those relationships now saying, hey, can you help us out? Happy to send your box. Would you mind to post for us or whatever it may be? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, again, a bit of a saving grace at the moment that we've got something that we're pack on. And, and the feedback's been great where people are going, I mean, apart from we think they're getting great value for money, they're saying to me, your fruit and veg is unbelievable. Like, you mm. can't find this in the supermarkets. Why? No. So <laughs> and I said, we're not doing anything different. This is how we buy, and this is why I partly why I believe is where we've come to today is the quality and the service that we've been able to provide our clientele and all mm-hmm. our clientele anyway of what we do different. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you think it's do you think it's something, Stephen, that's going to be people are going to get used to, um, and and really think this is you know select could actually be a product that's delivered to people's houses on a weekly basis ongoing? Is that is that something which you guys are sort of just filling it out and seeing how it goes yeah. for the next month and then see if it's something that you want to do? Because obviously there's a, I would imagine there's a lot more time, energy, marketing, all that kind of stuff to actually get this product out to, in a retail environment to people's houses mm. and delivering, you know, $4,000, mm. $10,000 worth of product to a restaurant every week. Yeah. So is it... Is it something you guys do you think will continue on, or is it too early to say? Do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, my accountants advise us. Um, you know, it's something that has to continue. We we should be pushing this moving forward. Mm. Um, I, I sort of was a bit blindsided because when the whole um, shutdown started happening, obviously the first protocol was just making sure a business will survive. Of course, but now being able to reset my mind and it's a bit more stabilized. And the feedback we're getting, um, and look, we've only sold, I feel a handful, but there's, there's quite a number that we've sold already of boxes. People are saying, oh, listen, can I just do a weekly order? Um, mm. Or a pharmacist that's a very good friend of ours said, listen, why don't I order 20 boxes and I'll advertise it and I'll get them to pick up from my pharmacy. So definitely this is an avenue that we can continue. Mm-hmm. Um I will, and it's obviously because social media is a big help for that. I will definitely want to keep this going, hundred um, percent. I think it's, I think it's a great little avenue and a great little business model to have. Um, we just, we just got to make sure we do it well and make sure, um, you know, the customers are receiving the quality that they want. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you yeah. think? Do you think consumers, um, on a general basis, think all fruit and veg is the same? Like they sort of. They might not realise the grading that goes into 
fruit and vegetables across the board. So therefore, when they get the quality from select or through other suppliers across the country who are doing similar things that would have normally gone to a restaurant or a cafe that's coming to their home. Do you think they're not, they never really understood that supply chain till now, Stephen? Oh, I, I believe so. I mean, you know, if you go back 12 months, uh, my, my, um, I'm a, I'm a lover of like the uh, master chef mm-hmm. just to say, and um, I, I see them, I call it the master chef effect. When, uh, when Master Chef is on, all those little petite things come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants the little edible flowers and this and that. And I think now more than ever, the people are realizing, especially when, like I, I'm only going by my feedback, when they're seeing our stuff and they're going, oh, I was in Coles or Woolies two days ago and those capsicums don't look like yours. And I said, <laughs> this is that, and this is that thing where, you know, some of the big chefs are pushing as well, this paddock to plate type thing. This is why they, you know, they want to potentially charge um, charge that money for their meals and so on because they're getting the quality produce. No matter if it's from me or any other provider or supplier, mm. there's, a, there's like you said, there's that effect of, oh, my God, now I know why, you know, partly because if it's a seafood dish or why it's that price, look at the quality that's in there. You know, and these, these products last a week or two. Where, again, sometimes you, I find, for, even for me, I, I shop at my local Coles and the quality is good, but it's not as good as what we have. And that's just unfortunately the way it is. Is that because you're buying, is that because you're buying, Stephen, from the supplier in a quicker, in a quicker basis from when that's actually picked or cut or grown or whatever? Or is that just, why is that the case that your stuff is lasting longer than what is it, Coles and Woolworths and other other grocery retailers? I suppose it's maybe the million dollar question at the moment. I mm. don't know. I don't know if it's because of our um, our stringent um, quality controls, um, mm. or is it, um, or is it um, storage or something like that? Story- or- well, that's storage. Yeah, obviously. So we obviously we try not to break the cold chain at all, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's look. We obviously the markets or Sydney markets that we use as a as one of our key parts of where we supply. Maybe it's because they get we're going direct to the source, so we're buying from the farmer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my buyers are former um, retail shop buyers, um, so they know what certain quality they want because they used to work not for big chains, they work for smaller chain grocers. Mm-hmm. So they really know, you know, you really can see the difference in that apple that's really shiny. They know they know the particular brand. I mean, we, we try not to – we want to buy from everyone, admittedly. We don't want to say, oh, they just buy that apple because it's from that grower. We want to buy from everyone, but we know where that high-end product is and how it's growing. So we know the story behind it. Maybe that's the difference that maybe why, you know, are we, are we getting it, you know, three days earlier or four days earlier before the supermarket gets it? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that also helps with the ships that's helped us as a business. So when we're buying for ships, you know, we, we could be buying, you look, and admittedly the biggest um, order I've ever done for a ship was 168 pallets worth of product. Jesus. And that was when it was, and of all things, it was leaving Darwin to go up to Hawaii. Um, that was about two years ago, but we were buying for 14 days. 
So we needed to buy – my buyers needed to know – I a, obviously, we had enough lead time. So we get the order – we would get the order 10 days prior to the ship's departure. Wow. So we're buying staged products. So they wanted ripe pineapples, ripe bananas, um, avocados, all those things they wanted at certain stages. Yeah. So they knew by the 14th day, A, they had enough stock, but B, the product was still good. But they knew the products that they couldn't work with. So the blueberries and the strawberries, maybe the leaf lines are probably the ones that are the hardest to work on. Yeah. We always we would buy them to the day. We would not buy them till the ship left that morning. But all the hard lines we'd we'd work from there with. Stephen, is it is it is it hard to get the experience to know different lead times, different wiping qualities, uh, grading, all that kind of stuff across so many different fruit and vegetables, that must take such a long time to understand and, and know because you have to buy you have to buy at the right time, you have to buy at the right volume, you have to know all these things. Yeah. And the supply chain of fruit and vegetables being a perishable item, it's, mm-hmm. it must, must take such a long time to actually learn that particular skill. Yeah, yeah. look, my buyers, are, um, they're, 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 they've just they've lived and breathed this for they're pretty much their entire career. Mm. I mean, I could go to the markets and I think everything looks fantastic, but when I go with them, they go, no, that's that's no good or don't buy it for that reason or that's why we don't use that grower for, for whatever reason. It is nothing bad. Mm. It's just that they know our qualities need – well, they need X, Y, Z quality, mm. um, particularly also for our processing kitchen that needs a certain product for a certain um, lead time as well mm-hmm. because if we're chopping and dicing um, – that's going to then potentially to be cooked on another level and then packaged another way. So they need to know, they, they know that, but they're very good with their, um, their stock control management has been very, very good. The last, um, particularly I suppose the last six months, mm-hmm. um, where we're coming from the really highs of turnover and obviously managing with the fires as well. that happening in Australia at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Do um, is it, is it really throwing growers out? At the moment, because they're 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 seeing these ebbs and flows of levels of production um, coming through the market. I know I saw an interview with the head of um, the Avocado Foundation or um, Growers Association last week, saying he really wants people to buy more avocados because because restaurants and cafes aren't taking them at the moment, right? Um, yeah, correct. So there's an oversupply of avocados last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, correct. Like, is it, a grower's just so confused in in what to plant, how to plant it at the moment, because there's been nothing really of this magnitude that they can understand. I think so. I think it has been yeah, more than anything. I think um, from what I've sort of been sort of seeing in the news and all that now mm. is um, there's going to be a glut of supply now come through where everything went really short because of that peak of buying and storing and everyone's sitting on too much stuff now. Yeah. I mean, my fridge is, I mean, I'm probably, I've got enough pasta. I reckon it lasts me six months now. So I can, only, <laughs> I can imagine how much, I mean, fruit and veg on food, like I said, it's perishable. So I can imagine spuds and the hard lines will last a bit longer. So a lot of people are probably sitting on onions, um, yeah. potatoes, uh, potatoes, pumpkins, sweet potato type thing. They're probably seeing on a hell of a lot of that stuff. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a glut in the next 
probably two weeks, I would I'd envisage myself mm-hmm. um, of this happening. So, so yeah, they're gonna, it's going to be it's, it's going to be phenomenal the next few weeks of what we're going to see on the marketplace and potentially how cheap prices may get. Um, I think that that's going to be a big factor in the next few weeks to look at. Mm. Do do you think anything in particular will sort of come dramatically down in price? Do you think it's going to be those things which the the long held products or like I've noticed that obviously noticed that lettuce had a massive spike the last couple mm. of weeks. Um, you know, so our capsicum had a massive spike. I mean, like yeah. what what do you think is going to come down over the next few weeks? Do you reckon? Oh, uh, yeah. So capsicum, red capsicum in particular, I think. At one stage, the cost of capsicum I saw was $160 for a 10-kilo box. <gasps> yeah, so, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Um, you know, beans went to 120 I think it was $150 a box as well. Gosh. So, yeah, they're going to come right, right back. I mean, to tell you what they're going to be now, I, wouldn't have a, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that, they will come right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my last last question to you, Stephen, uh, and appreciate you uh, spending the time with me today, especially as you're obviously so busy with so many messages coming through. No, that's the okay. no, that's all good. Thank you. <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think this particular situation will lead to less fruit and veg suppliers um, and an overall change in the supply chain itself? Because obviously there are, you know, there are there are a couple of big suppliers like Select. But there are a lot of smaller ones as well, and and um, and a lot of you know smaller fruit and veg shops and all that kind of stuff. And we know that Coles and Woolworths and Audi are getting a bulk of this oversupply of fruit and vegetables at the moment. Do you do? How do you think it's going to change the supply chain in regards to the wholesale and retail of fruit and veg? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be. I mean, the whole COVID nineteen situation. I think it's a massive reset for everyone. Mm. Um, I mean, I probably uh, what's the saying? It's going to separate the men from the boys, mm. I would believe. So I think um, I don't wish bad upon any business, and you know, every every business has its struggles. Um, I think we may see a few people fall on their sword, and not just um, you know in the fruit and veg space. I'm talking all all businesses, mm-hmm. um, but and it means we need to do things differently. So I think there still will be that competitive edge. Um, I just think that it's it will still be competitive. I just don't think people are gonna. Um, uh, it's it's. I don't think we get. I don't know if it's the right wording undercut per se, or there's, it's going to be really tight. Sure. I think we're going to have a smaller amount with a bigger business, and we yeah. may have. Um, you know, we we have to go back to the. We basically we have to go back to our basics again. Um, mm-hmm. That I find so back to my days six years ago. Right, this is a time when we need to reset everything. We need to make sure our policies and procedures are in place, mm-hmm. and we will see who survives this and who doesn't. And we hope that you know more opportunities will come with that. But also, does it mean um, you know better competition? I mean, I've had a number of other providors reach out to me and just say, "Hey, mate." Um, I hope you guys are doing well. All the best. If you see anything, just give us a call. So it's really good to it's nice. You know, it's really good to see that in our industry. And I hope it happens in other industries as well. Mm. Um, you know, even even what I've done is a lot of my chefs that I supply and that I 
look, I, not that I shouldn't have relationships with them. My sales team do, but some of them know me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I've reached out to all of them and said, hey, mate, how are you going? Hope you guys are well, you and the family, because a lot of them have been stood down. Of course. And they all, it's that, that camaraderie that we're building now and hopefully that, you know, obviously, you know, it leads to we work together again no matter where they turn up. And I think that's important as well. But there will be that seismic shift depending how long this goes on for um, in our in our business businesses and businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think yeah. – I think there's obviously a lot of pain to come as, as as you would know and be seen now. But mm. I think if we can look back in 12 months, I think we're going to see better better supply chain industry, better right. hospitality industry over the, over across the board. We just need to try and pull everyone through if we can. So that's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Um, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me. I just wanted to um, – what's the best way that people can understand a bit more about what Select Fresh Providors does and, and maybe about the box that you guys are offering for, for Sydney Ciders? Yeah, so um, I'll obviously send you the link. So um, mm-hmm. we've got a, a, a big cartel um, mm-hmm. site that we've just launched 40, 72 hours ago, sorry. Beautiful. Um, we've, got, we've got the two boxes on there and like we're just going to go through that slowly um, and look at other lines that we can offer that people may be interested in. So mm-hmm. I know, again, I was mentioning before like that master chef thing. So maybe I'll do a mise en place type um, pack. Yeah, So awesome. people know that all their veggies are done and Mm-hmm. They can make their sources or their stocks, whatever they want to do. So I'll definitely share that through um through your network as well. That that and otherwise, you know, email or call me direct through my my um LinkedIn page or wherever the wherever you hear about this. Happy to have a chat at any any level. It's great. Beautiful, Stephen. I'm going to link that all in the bio of this podcast so uh, people can reach you. Um, Stephen Bibiano, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sean. Great to talk Cheers. to you. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. so much for tuning in to another episode of the open pantry podcast i hope you really enjoyed it and got something out of it once again please make sure you leave me some feedback through that little link you'll see in the bio of this podcast and as always make sure you please subscribe and share if you think it's valuable to other people with inside the hospitality industry i think they're really going to enjoy it and i hope you enjoy it as well until next time please stay safe